All right, today's topic is carbohydrates, lipids, and then we're gonna hit protein. So what you look here is a little bit of all of it. Um, carbohydrates and lipids, these are your starches and your sugars and your fats, and then your protein is going to be all of your meats. Monosaccharides, mono means one and saccharide means sugar. These are simple sugars, they're the building blocks of our complex carbs are complex sugars. They're joined together through condensation or dehydration synthesis reactions. Remember that's where you pop off a water and you leave these dangling ends that don't want to be dangling ends, so they join together. Our complex sugars are disaccharides, di meaning two, and polysaccharides, poly meaning many. Glucose is your base sugar. So when we talk about cellular respiration, we talk about um, photosynthesis, we talk about the use of glucose. So whenever you eat anything, your body breaks down that food source, that donut in my case, into glucose, and then glucose goes into the mitochondria to produce energy. When you look at this, glucose has a formula of C6H12O6. Yes, you have to memorize that. And it is a six-sided ring. Ribose, is another one of our simple sugars. It has a formula of C5H10O5. It's a five-sided sugar. We call these pentose sugars. So ribose is a pentose sugar. Glucose is a hexose sugar. When you look here, one of the mean things that IB does is they ask you to know the difference between alpha glucose and beta glucose. So take a look at the diagram on the screen right now. The main difference between alpha glucose and beta glucose is this little part right here where in alpha, the hydrogen's on top, in beta, the hydrogen's on bottom. We call these isomers. Um, they can both be used for cellular respiration. They're just a little bit different in their formation. This is what ribose looks like. Sometimes if you're trying to like build muscle if you're a football player, you might take ribose supplements. It's still a sugar that can go in for energy building. Okay, what are our sugars then? Monosaccharides, one sugar, simple sugars, glucose, fructose, galactose. Glucose is animals, fructose is fruit, sucrose or galactose is milk. Disaccharides, two sugars combined, Sucrose is formed by a glucose and a fructose. Maltose is two glucoses. And lactose is glucose and galactose. A very common question talks about lactose intolerance. That's the inability to break down lactose into its simpler form. So you don't have the right enzymes. You don't have lactase. And so your body, you drink milk or eat cheese or ice cream, and your body gets this um, lactose in it and it goes, I don't know what to do with this. And when your body doesn't know what to do with anything, it gets rid of it as soon as possible. Lactose, when it breaks down, it breaks down into a glucose and a galactose. Test question. How do we make lactose more palatable for people who are lactose intolerant, which by the way, is the majority of the world. You break it down, pre digest it into glucose and galactose. Polysaccharides, these are complex saccharides. Um, we have cellulose, which is in cell walls. Starch, which is any of those vegetables that taste really good, potatoes, carrots, that kind of thing. 
and glycogen. Glycogen is found in your liver. And if you need a little bit more sugar to keep going, whether you're doing a long sporing event or whether you, know, you just are starved to death and this is your last ditch effort to stay alive, your body is gonna release glycogen. Your muscles also have a small store of it. And that's gonna be a last ditch effort to keep you alive. Our monosaccharides, glucose is in um, your cellular respiration. That's where it's used from. And if you just give me a second, I'm really terrified right now that I am not recording. So let's see if I can get here. Yes, I am recording. Okay, sorry about that delay, guys. That would be like my worst nightmare is to get all the way through this. And um, I am not recording. All right, so monosaccharides, what are we using them for? It's for cellular respiration. It's what we are putting into your mitochondria. It's breaking that monosaccharide into water, carbon dioxide, and then the byproduct is ATP, which is energy, and heat, which is warming your body. Disaccharides, lactose is the sugar found in the milk of mammals. It's high in sugar. Um, it's an energy source for young. Sucrose is used to transport and store energy in plants like sugarcane. That's why you, know, you can go to Hawaii and get the sugarcane and just suck on that. Polysaccharides, cellulose is used to lend strength to plant cells. Glycogen, like I said, is short-term energy storage. And starch is long-term energy storage for plants. All right, our fats, our lipids, come in a variety of different sources. The first one is a saturated fatty acid. So carbons are loaded with hydrogen atoms. Every carbon is saturated, which means chock full of hydrogen. Carbon has four bonding spots, right? Carbon, carbon, right? So that's two of them. The other two are gonna be hydrogens. So this chain is just full of hydrogens. Our saturated fatty acids are found in real butter and in bacon. And you know that it's real, um, because if you leave real butter out on your counter, it's not gonna melt, it's gonna stay a solid. Mono unsaturated means that at somewhere in that chain, there's a double bond. You're not fully saturated with hydrogens anymore, and so we have this free bonding spot, and it double bonds onto the neighbor carbon. And then polyunsaturated fat, at least two double bonds exist, and we see these sometimes in our plants. These are like your olive oils and your canola oils and your corn oils. These will always be liquid at room temperature. Just a picture of a glycerol and a fatty acid. And yes, you will be able, have to be able to identify these and draw these. Trans fat is a laboratory fat. So in the 80s, we thought you got fat because you ate fat. And we could manufacture in a lab a type of fat that would make food taste good because fat's what makes your food taste good. If you ever go to a restaurant, it, like the pork chops taste so much better than what mom makes at home. It's because they're like slathered in butter and fat and all this good stuff that we generally don't cook with at home. So fat makes food taste good, but fat makes you fat if you have too much of it. And so in a lab, we made trans fats. These trans fats are Frankensteined with multiple, multiple, multiple double bonds throughout the chain. And remember, if your body can't easily use it, your body gets rid of it. Um, and so the idea was that you wouldn't have to 
worry about getting fat because your body couldn't break this down. It couldn't utilize the pieces. What we determined though, was that these trans fats, yes, your body was expelling some of them, but it was also storing a lot of it around your organs. Usually your fat is um, adipose fat. It was found right underneath the skin, but this fat became visceral fat. It became fat around your heart and your liver and your lungs, all these places that fat shouldn't be. And it was strangling your organs. So this led to heart disease and diabetes. Um, so the movement came, take all of this fat out of all the food you're eating. Um, and on all the packages now, you buy Oreos and it says no trans fat. The game here though, is they can put zero trans fat on a package if it has less than one gram per serving. So what's a serving of Oreos? It's two Oreos. Think about the last time you went into your package of Oreos and ate only two. So they've made the serving size really small so that they can say they're zero trans fats. How do you know if there's trans fats in what you're eating? Look at the ingredient label. Anytime you see the words partially hydrogenated, that's a trans fat. A triglyceride lipid is derived from the fats of animals and the oils of plants. And we make it through a condensation reaction between a glycerol and a three fatty acid. This is your adipose fat. This is found subcutaneous, so underneath the skin. And realize that one gram of lipid contains twice as much energy as one gram of carbs. So calorie for pound or gram, you're gonna get more calories out of a lipid. Um, you want some fat on your body. The fat's what's gonna prevent you from being cold. Phospholipids um, help compose cell membranes. And then steroid hormones, Steroid hormones, you can't have estrogen and testosterone unless you have some fat on your body. People who are extreme athletes, ultra marathoners, and they drop their body weight and their body fat really, really low, will stop producing estrogen. So the women will stop menstruating. The men will stop producing testosterone. All right, so use of carbohydrates and lipids as energy storage. The most economical way to store energy is as a lipid contains, like I said, twice as much energy per gram as a carb and a protein. Energy storage lipids are triglycerides, and we're gonna store these lipids because they're light and they're easy to move. Um, you don't want a lot of extra weight on your body because you have to move from place to place. We use this energy every night since glycogen from the liver is not enough to get us through a gap of eight hours or more between meals. Plants are gonna use starch. Starch is heavy, um, but the plants aren't going anywhere. So it's a quick way to store energy. Um, don't need to be concerned about weight and movement. Plants are gonna use lipids to store energy in parts that move, um, like oils, they're gonna use that for seeds because that is lighter. Uh, last thing here when we're talking about fat is BMI. BMI is kind of an outdated measurement, but IB still considers that they haven't rewritten your test yet. BMI is a way of doing a calculation to determine where you fall. Are you underweight, normal, overweight? Um, it is a calculation of body fat and muscle mass, and it looks at your height and your um, weight and gives you a number. The problem is if you are someone who is a bodybuilder, if you are very, very muscular, you're not necessarily obese, but your BMI is gonna be high. So that's why we consider it kind of an outdated measurement. And here is your chart. So for example, 
I am 5'5". Five five. So on the low end would be 117 for me. Target, like healthy weight for me is 136. And then as I start going into obesity it would be 156. So you can find yourself on this chart. All right, moving on. We've done carbohydrates, we've done lipids, now we're on to proteins. Proteins are the meat. When you eat protein, you are eating the muscle of an animal. Um, light meat, dark meat, a little bit of trivia here. The dark meat is meat that is vascularized or has a lot of blood flow to it. And if you think about like a chicken, chickens don't fly much, so their breast isn't going to have a lot of vascular tissue. It's your white meat. What's your dark meat? Your legs and the wings because they're flapping their wings, but they're not going anywhere. They're not actually flying and their legs because they run around all the time. Protein um, is produced using the information, the DNA. So genes in the DNA code for specific proteins when they're needed for life functions. Genes are interchangeable between organisms. I can take a gene for a protein from a mouse and I can put it into a dog. I can take the protein for a gene for bioluminescence from a jellyfish and put it into a pig and I can make glowing pigs. They're composed of amino acids. Amino acids, there's 20 that are found in living organisms and they all have the same general shape with different R groups. The R group's called a functional group. They're linked together through condensation reactions and they form peptide bonds with neighboring amino acids. A peptide bond is a covalent bond that's found in proteins. Proteins differ in length and amino acid um, arrangement. That's what makes them different. So here is the basic structure of an amino acid. So the yellow group is the amino group. The blue group here is the carboxyl group. And then the R is the functional group. Every amino acid has the yellow and the blue the same and this R differs. 20 exist in the human body and in animals, but manufactured in labs, we can make upward of 100. Of the 20 that are found in the human body, eight are nonpolar. Nonpolar molecules twist in the interior of a globular protein, they're hydrophobic. And the more nonpolar proteins, um, the less water soluble it is contributes to the alignment within the cell membrane. Remember, we have integral um, proteins which act as protein channels to bring molecules through from inside to outside and vice versa. We have four levels of protein structure or folding. Primary is a chain. So we've just got all the amino acids linked together by peptide bonds in a long chain. Um, the sequence affects all other levels and the polar R groups will only interact with other polar R groups, and nonpolar will only interact with nonpolar. Secondary structure is we're now going to coil that chain, and we're either going to do it in alpha, where we twist it and coil it, or we're going to do it in beta, where you kind of accordion it when you fold it. And you guys are going to do this with your beads and your pipe cleaners in the next activity. The secondary structure is caused by hydrogen bonds. And when we talk about proteins like collagen and keratin, things that make your skin supple and your nails strong, these are secondary structure proteins. Tertiary structure, the helix chain is now folded in on itself, caused by the interaction of the R groups. Remember, polar goes with polar, nonpolar goes with nonpolar. 
hydrophobic stuff on the inside, hydrophilic on the outside, and you have these disulfur R group bridges that are going to hold this stuff together. So there's a disulfide bridge between two parts of your chain. Quaternary structure is composed of multiple polypeptide chains. What that means is you have a folded protein here and a folded protein here, and they come together, right? And it allows for a greater range of biological activity because depending on how it comes together, you now get active sites for enzymes. The chains are held together by hydrogen bonds, positive negative charges, and disulfide bridges. Here it is in your picture form. And what do these do? So enzymes are globular proteins that catalyze biological reactions. What it means is it allows a biological reaction to occur faster. Um, some of your proteins are hormones like insulin, which um, regulates your blood sugar. Antibodies, which are hopefully preventing you from getting COVID. Structural proteins like collagen, which builds tendons and gives elasticity to your skin and strength to your nails. Um, we have channel proteins that act as passageways in and out of the cell. And we have chemoglobin, which is gonna carry oxygen through your body. You guys need to know these IB approved examples of proteins. So Robisco is the first enzyme in photosynthesis. Insulin is produced by the pancreas and regulates blood sugar. Immunoglobulin is an antigen or an antibody that recognizes different antigens. It's in your immune system. Robitussin is a pigment found in the eye that helps you see in light, low light conditions. Collagen is in your tendons, skin, and ligaments. And then spider silk is in spider webs. If you denature a protein, you are changing the structure of that protein. You are basically breaking the bonds and this thing unfolds. Well, if you're talking about an enzyme that has an active site that's based on the fold of it, as soon as it relaxes and goes to goo, that active site no longer exists and this is no longer an active protein. Things or proteins denature in high heat and acidic conditions. All of your proteins have an optimal temperature. This is the temperature at which they work best. And when we talk about your enzymes here, um, the rate of enzymatic activity is really slow as you go up in temperature. It peaks when you hit ideal. And then look how fast it drops off when you go past that ideal temperature. So when you go too hot, it denatures like that. Over here, it's not denatured. It's still a fully functioning enzyme or protein, but the molecules are moving around so slow that they're not hitting into the active site. Here, that active site disappears. It's gone. Please do me a favor and do yourself a favor and watch the crash course, You Are What You Eat, and take notes on it. If I notice you guys aren't watching the crash courses, I am going to make them ed puzzles and no one wants that. All right, that's it for today. Next time we talk, we'll do enzymes.